Hi, everybody, and welcome to, of course, 25 Years of VTM. I am uh, the guy you know I am, and I have a name. It's Bob. Sorry, I don't know why I didn't remember my own name for a second. And uh, today, we're being accompanied by a rare guest scene. And no, we're not referring to Mike, but Mike, how you doing? Hey, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> but our particular guest, I want to give a little introduction here. Um, Gogo has been on our server for a long time and a supporter for what we do, and in the best way. Been Sometimes have been our devil's advocate. Um, always the one to give an opposite opinion and an informative opinion. Sometimes the deepest opinions that have ever been placed on server we've seen. And uh, we always go through them. They're, they've been a joy to go through and see them and get insights from it. The other effect is, is that for today, we're covering a special book because she threw it up there. Said, you know, if you had a problem with a different book, didn't seem you liked it too much. May I introduce you to a Storyteller Vote book that I, that I enjoyed? Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. And we like that so much. Well, John, the podcast, I'm Gogo. Thank you and welcome. And uh, would you like to say something about yourself before we get started? Oh, thanks so much. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Gogo. Uh, you probably see me on the 25 Years of Vampire Masquerade Discord. I also run my own uh, New Jersey, New York Warhammer Discord. We got about a thousand members uh, right now. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, kind of involved in a couple different gaming communities. And please continue. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm. Uh, a consultant. I run a nonprofit. Uh, I'm a game organizer. I've run World of Darkness games for the past ten years. Been a huge fan. Came online when, like, uh, the height of the Chronicles of Darkness kind of dark ages in the community, when people were playing vampire less and less, and I came in to revise in that environment. And I saw how Vampire Twentieth kind of brought the community back to life. So. This was like, I got into the community a very exciting time around 2010, and I've been watching things happen and kind of just enjoying the world of darkness. Fair enough. And, and to me, that's, uh, that's exactly who you want. <laughs> you want people paying attention and have a solid, solid ground and opinion and viewpoint. And that's, that's really it. I think that's key to the community, really any gaming community. Um, but going from there, um, this first half we'll talk about, and I'll let this be known in the notes as well. Um, we'll try to put a timestamp on exactly when we're done talking about this topic if you just want to hear the book review. But we have a different icebreaker here. And what I'll say is every now and then there's a silence in the community about somebody having an issue with a specific gaming company or a specific book that is an author of said book or a situation come up. And they, I guarantee you, the author doesn't want anybody usually to know about it. Well, something happened where the flip happened. Someone wanted everybody to know about it, and they they kind of went through a process, we'll call it. And um, I feel some type of way about it. And I was not going to mention initially, but talking to Mike, he brought it to me that he felt some type of way about it, and how he had seen and heard about it, it was a go go placing on the server. And before I uh, kind of turn this over to you both, um, go go, what went through your head when you read this article that you felt that you know what I should put this here and get everybody kind of in the know? Well. Uh, the first thing I've been noticing a lot about Werewolf 5th Edition going into the game, a lot of people were a little bit concerned about it. We've been hearing all sorts of uh, big plot changes that are kind of happening off camera, very similar to what happened in Vampire 5th, where a lot of things, uh, NPCs you care about are getting removed. You, you don't know what happened to them or they don't exist anymore. Uh, the clans or tribes you care about are getting removed. and I always had in my mind 
the idea of maybe all they needed was a couple native and folks with a background in spiritualism, authors who care about the setting, who need to kind of modernize it. Less books like uh, G Word, uh, that the were like one white wolf book was literally just a slur, just G words. Uh, <laughs> less less of that, <laughs> a little bit more of like so uh, plot and story derived from actual native practices and the native history, reflective of the real world and maybe how our social perceptions about how our games change over time. That's not a crazy, I don't think, uh, fantasy to have. Like, oh man, uh, we look at, uh, what's that uh, one game came out a few years ago? Uh, Coyote and Crow, two years ago, came out. All native authors, all native publishers, they were sending free books to native libraries all around reservations all around the U.S. Mm -hmm. The fact that White Wolf, a giant company, was less capable of hiring just a group of native writers and be like, hey, go fix the Wendigo, was always puzzling to me. And finding out that they had, in fact, hired those native authors and they had patently just rejected everything they had to say. So it's... The tragedy, of course, with Werewolf Fifth is that a lot of people are going to be disappointed with it. They're not even going to give it a chance over the things they've heard. And we're going to have a very interesting way to, to look at this, too, with that perspective. But please continue. I would say that the they were it almost feels like they are sabotaging Werewolf because they had the ingredients to make it into a better product. And the company itself rejected that. That is me as a Werewolf fan. That is the insensitive and crappy way that Paradox went about doing that is all secondary to the fact that the company itself had the resources to make something good for everyone, and they chose not to. And that's that was what really resonated with me. Later on, uh, once again, rereading it, kind of understanding what the, where the author was coming from, they brought up a couple more nuanced points that I think we can get into later. But like that was what really stuck with me and what really shook me, the idea that, oh, wait, you had all the ingredients that people have been telling you to get for years, and you just said no. You just paid no attention to it. I'm That was a little bit shocking to me. Okay, okay. And so this is all in that article, right, that you... Yes, uh, that is uh, the open letter that was published uh, by James Sombrano on their Patreon. Okay. Okay. Um, what about you, Mike? You know, when, when you saw this and uh, you were like, hey, Bob, we, we need to kind of address this, kind of look at this. What were you feeling? Well, I, so I was, I was having a, a storm of emotion, right? <laughs> Whenever I see uh, somebody speaking frankly, publicly, and I can tell it's about, about to be something about race and, and social justice and like class and power dynamics and shit like that, all my antennas go up, right? Because I, I feel a compulsion to process these issues when they come in front of me, even if they don't end up being relevant to the game. So I'm reading uh, Sombrano's article, and I could tell they were escalated when they were writing it. Um, but the deeper I got into it, I, I started to get more confused. Like It was like I got, I got wrong-footed by their objectives. Um, they expressed 
that they first needed to let people hear what it was like working for a particular uh, paradox creator. Um, uh, Karim. Yeah. Karim. Um, obviously they felt some type of way about that, but overall, you know, the idea was supposed to be, we're going to read this article and like come to a place of growth and healing, right? Something prescriptive, something productive to, uh, give to the community after Karim tells their tale of a, a, a shit show at paradox and how they ended up not even being on the project. But as I read, I didn't get there. And so I said, okay, let me, let me treat this like I would if I was at school and I read it again and I, I turned it into, it ended up being 30 individual bullet points, right. That I tried to condense. And there were like 10 pretty clear topics that I was able to outline from what they were saying. But I ended up getting the feeling that this individual felt they were treated bad and had some different expectation than what they got and denied me my prescription of some way to be productive with the werewolf material while at the same time not offending, frankly, minorities, right? Any identity other than cis white male. And so I got... I read it and I read it again and I outlined it and I turned it upside down and I couldn't, I couldn't get there. And so I, I just felt like we had, we had to speak to it some kind of way. Now, just to give it the full spectrum here, if you, if you were finished, Mike, let me. Yeah, no, mostly, over. mostly. I don't want to rant. <laughs> okay. Cause we're going to get to that, right? Obviously there are yeah. points to be made there. Yeah. Um, mine might seem inflammatory to maybe both of you. Uh, when I read it, I kind of saw that I, that somebody, the company chose not to go forward with their work. And this person may have had issue, if any indicator, by their overly emotional letter that was hard to follow. Because when you type with your heart, you're not communicating. You're just literally venting. And whenever you vent through typing, you always make error. You always are seen. Your context is missed. Your points are not highlighted. You can go on and rant and you could lose people's focus. It wasn't meant to inform. It was meant to get it out. And it's something I learned working in HR for a bit is that you could you could see that there's I mean, that's why HR human resources exists, because we do that when you are triggered, when you are upset, you're just going to find any medium to communicate this rage. But we got to get past the rage to get to what the actual problem was. And the problem I identified when I looked at it, here's a person that was very honored to be brought on board. They're very excited to be part of the team as anybody would. But immediately when the changes were being made about what they were going to do, they were told that their title meant X. And because of that, they were going to be the one who was going to help bring the, uh, you know, indigenous BIPOC, a a viewpoint that's going to be put into there and that that was going to be it. But you could tell by the way they wrote, they felt they would be the authority and decision maker on what direction they were going to go and that what was going to be. Now, three more Mark um, is with the company for a reason. And first and foremost, there was a terrible lesson learned when Martin Erickson was there for V5 that I'm aware of. Remember we followed up then we interviewed him as well. And that lesson was this, the company may agree with their artists, but when Russia puts you on the air as being the source of American evil in the West, and they put your book up there because of what you did, I didn't see fans stand with that company and say, man, Russia's a little touchy. That's ridiculous. It's a fictional book, which is what they should have done. Our communities tore apart that company 
and forced them to remove that book and then inflated and brought up complete hogwash as, as to what actually was in that book and what it did and, and ignored it completely. And you heard Martin Erickson, that's from the horse's mouth, from the source of what they did, of what corrected. And the company chose him to burn. They had to pick someone. He was the lead, like story, storyteller lead, basically, the content developer that was at the helm of the title. They choose to burn him and kept Kareem. Now, Kareem would be the same guy to author your Sabbat book, right? That would go in there at the helm. And by author, had a big hand in it, guidance, telling people what went into it. And fans hated that book. It came out and they didn't like it because, all because you couldn't be a player in the book. Not because the content was wrong, not because they disagreed with the viewpoints, not because they didn't like what was there, but because where's the instruction about us playing it? And this genius, and I say Kareem's a genius, because shortly after that book released, the Storyteller Vault, player's guide was put out also with him in it so what they communicated to me here's a guy that said okay the company tied my hands but i know our fans so i'm gonna give them what they want here's how to play that book we just released and here you go and i saw it take the poison out of the community and so they told me well i don't think people are learning the lesson here you cannot please everybody that's the hard lesson in business you have to pick a direction and that direction, everybody's on board and they got to move forward and they're going to lose money or they're going to get money based on that success of that direction, period. In the case of this issue that we're talking about, and I'm trying to set the groundwork here to make this point, I see that we hired a bunch of people to have all their ducks in a row, brought them into the room, saw the product for what it was and what we had going on, decided, you know, we're just, we just can't go this direction. For whatever reason, that decision was made and I'm, I'm almost positive it wasn't Kareem who made it. Now, did he have a hand in it? Most likely. And, and the person will go on to defend it. There's some, there's some terms and discussions and some literal phrasing that was used back and forth between the author and Kareem that he actually screenshotted and then threw up on that, on that thing to see. And, but you don't see the author's side is why I want to let you know. It's the first damning bit of evidence. When I see someone tell me that this is an acidic communication where I was attacked, okay, well, then what were you saying? Right? If you only got one side, what were you saying? Because it is possible, because it's a human being you're saying attacked you. They may have been triggered, or they may have been thinking you were joking, right? It establishes context. You don't know that full story. However, as angry as this upset this person was, they chose to go into it. The only thing from the document that I had deep concern with was the part that said over 80 hours of work went uncompensated that they had put into it. And if that is true, you, you need to report that to the law. You need to get your money. You need to get that lawsuit. I, I would say as a contractor, sometimes you end up putting in work that doesn't get compensated. Um, and I don't want to say that's just a hazard of the industry. Uh, but like I'm Mike, I don't know if you work for a law office right now, you know about bill, billable hours. Mm-hmm. Billable hours are. I work four hours and I bill you for one of them. Usually mm-hmm. that's that as an attorney, I'm billing you $600 or $1,200 for some like like a something of high importance for that hour you're probably getting four hours or you're probably getting two hours or three hours realistic so as a contractor a writer yeah you have to do research and i I did not take so much issue with the, the money uh because he chose to do a bunch of research and decided that was supposed to be paid that's not what they were paying for. that's outside the scope right. of the contract that's not we don't need to. Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much about like wage theft by paradox here. Like, I'm, I'm I wasn't concerned with that either, other than to say if that claim was real, right? So, oh yeah. When I when I, when I hear in billable, I think you billed them, and they said no. Okay. And and there was no reason cited, so I was like, okay, that's weird. And also, why? 
You know what I mean? And that's, again, we're back to that thing. But the point is, my whole point, the rest of it was unsubstantiated in terms of nobody was there to get the full picture. We just get you being upset. Now, I'd asked you, Mike, to do something because I was, I was a bit cold about it. I'm going to tell you right now, I've, uh, I've worked for, for, for a couple companies now uh, do with content and you know, finding it and research and billable, being billed and whatnot and what that's like, too. And I, you're 100% correct, Gogo, now that you need me to say it. But yeah, that's what it's like. You can do more research than, than it's worth. Some companies pay you what you put in. Others said we only paid you for the work we asked you for. That extra was your extra. And sometimes you want to put an extra so that they hire you again. That's, that's how that goes. So the point is, in particular, this company, I've heard that their, their contract work can be brutal because of all the effort that you put and you bring to them. And they originally tell you, yes, come to the table. You're our type of people. When push comes to the shove and you're on that deadline and it's met, they look at what you have and an editor comes through and does what an editor does. This doesn't match our heading. This isn't where we want to be. This isn't saying what we got to do. You now have two extra weeks to make these changes. This is what we're looking for. We're not using anything that you gave input on. Thank you. But no, thank you. And that's that. That is hard. That is hard for someone to hear. That happened to me. That happened to me. As a side note, I was vaguely consulted about potentially being on board with, with W5. And by vaguely, they told me to hurry up and get it together, get it there, do that, whatever, and submit it with everybody else. I submitted it. I wasn't chosen. I have podcasts. It's 100% of the research done. Had work on another project and got credits for it and did that too. And I was out there and part of that was chapters. Another one was uh, potentially working with, uh, with Fios again on Werewolf uh, Retaliation. There's that too. And I thought that would be like, oh, well, then you guys see, uh, we're, in the same, we're in the same vein. We can work on it together. And, you know, I'm under NDA to not say certain things. But what I'll say is I listened to how they do the process and saw how grueling it is. And we know when Werewolf 5th Edition was getting delayed and there was a bunch of changes. And then we started seeing the release of stuff that they were allowing in and not allowing in. I was with everybody else when certain things were announced, you know, um, but where I wasn't with everyone else, I heard the rumored potential that they're making the get offenders, right? And that's in this article. So I don't feel anything is out of context to discuss it now. They refer to the sword of Heimdall. I know for a fact, White Wolf took heat for the sword of Weivel, for the sword of Heimdall, enough to where like Paradox and whatnot really had a stance of, we're just not going to get into it. They're dead and gone. That I don't even want to talk about it because that is inflammatory nowadays. They got away with it back in the day. We just don't want to deal with that. And to me, I'm like, there's no getting away with it. Sword of Heimdall was the villain from its inception. The Get wanted to kill the Sword of Heimdall for what they were. They were hate. They promoted the war. So they were, they were to be taken down because Nazis was in to kill. Have you ever heard of Duke Nukem? I mean, whole <laughs> franchise. That's this what you want to do, right? Yeah, Wolfenstein. So, <laughs> Exactly. That's the point I'm driving at. But people had inflamed and got this out of control. But you can see where, where Onyx Path has a, has a very much... Uh, I actually like them for a lot of reasons. And one of them is they have a... I won't say neutral way, but they're like, this is the direction we're going to go in, and we're going to avoid anything to inflame anybody, if at all possible. It's to the point where they neuter some stuff they can go into, and they know that. And they know that you will know that. But you also add that you're free to put it in. Yeah. Right? Feel free to do you, but this is how we present the book, and we hope you enjoy it. When it gets to Paradox, everyone is thinking of a couple things. Number one, Bloodlines 2. That, that's a blow. When you think of Bloodlines 2, you're told it's coming, here's what's going on, and now we went not going to tell you when it's coming out, we don't know when. And then they started recently hyping it up again. But you're dealing with a fan base that's already been bitten once by this process. 
now you're adding to the fact that V5, most of the direction it's been going is that they've been shielding a lot of complaints from it. I, in particular, didn't listen to everything on purpose. The internet is a sludge pit of nonsense commentary and inflammatory statements. <laughs> I only cared to hear things or to see things in the book. Like if the fans were heard, what was put in the book? The one place I saw they were heard in a book was the Second Inquisition book. When we reviewed that book, I wanted to not like that book. I really did. I did not want to like the Second Inquisition book. I wasn't a fan of the story methods that they've chosen to go about in V5, but I said to myself, solid game, can be fun. Um, I'll, I'll try it and see, how, see if that warms me up to it. And it did. I saw new people love it. I even saw the old crowd kind of warm up to a different flavor of playing what they had. But they were still taking heat. And I was like, man, what's the deal? Because if I'm like, it's, it's just a game. It's no big deal. Where is all this coming from? And then it dawned on me. You're dealing with people repeatedly saying one thing to you. Calm down. <laughs> we went a different direction. didn't go with your direction, so calm down. And then I was reminded starkly of White Wolf when I saw that. When these, when these cold statements were being made. And you know, by cold, I mean they were very much defending the company. And then you would have somebody like, you know, I'll say this loud. You see Outstar would have a, a Twitter or two talking about a fan coming at her and it's inappropriate. But then why would you go to the length of post what was inappropriate at all instead of just handling it professionally, not mentioning it and just blocking or banning that person and moving on? Well, the answer is, is clearly if she had one person come at her that long and she, that's not the only person. Mm-hmm. And how much are you going to deal with before you start trying to find ways to get back at it? And did it politely. It was not non-professional. It's just it hit my head that that's a sign of stress. It's a sign this is getting to everybody. And then it starts passing on. So now we're at this rendition where I'm not shocked. Kareem is in hot water, uh, or at least in the public's eye. Got a little dirt thrown on him because here's this author claiming some bad stuff. And at this point... (laughs) Sorry, I'm dying a little bit. Still recovering from a cold. Stay alive. My daughter gave, gave me a gift. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, so at this point, what I want to do is turn it over to you two, where I'm going to say flat out, there's a lot of stuff going on, but clear some stuff up for me. I know, Mike, you found some stuff. I know you both may not agree with entirely what I said, but help me out. Help me figure out why. Answer one question for me and our listeners. Why should we care about this document? Um, in my opinion. I think there's there's tremendous value in unpacking a legitimate grievance. Right. If somebody can express to me that I've invested in good faith in this thing. And not only was I disregarded, but I was disrespected in the process of doing so. Even when I tried to collaborate. Right. I want to hear what that person has to say, because I think you can learn from a negative experience like that and find um improved best practices um but again you know like i was saying before i went i went hunting for that feed forward in this letter and i got you know more emotion than i did substance i okay so like when i was able when i felt like i was able to distill um the feeling was that Kareem was unprofessional. Um, The feeling was that there was going to be significant erasure of indigenous identity with the direction that White Wolf, or I'm sorry, Paradox wanted to go. And 
as okay. in, let's pause because when we okay. do this, I'll do this occasionally to you both, as evidenced by. Because imagine we're all <laughs> listening to this in the road in our car. So you say this is there. What did you see that made you feel that way? Well, that's what I'm getting to, right? Because as I read the document, I didn't. I didn't get the explanation of what was being erased, right? I tried to put myself in the author's shoes and he's like, these terms, Utena and Wendigo are effective. I'm like, okay, well, do I need to get a master's to understand why they don't flag certain things for me? Um, but I realized what well, he wanted to communicate. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, about uh, those two terms in particular. Um, and here's the thing. Uh, I normally use uh, Wendigo. Uh, I'm I'm not Algonquin. I don't find it particularly offensive. I, I don't know any Algonquins really. Um, mm-hmm. At one point, though, an Algonquin, I I was asked. I I kind of interrogated someone who is like a casual acquaintance of mine, and the, their issue with Wendigo and like the W word. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get better about using it since having this conversation with him. Uh, cause this guy told me, he said, you don't understand. Imagine if all of your culture, everything about it, all your, uh, your Christianity, everything was just diminished down to the people outside your community. All they know about your community is the legend about how you say bloody Mary three times in front of a mirror. Uh, the Virgin Mary comes and kills you. That's not even right. That's not even like the actual Bloody Mary, like the, the superstition. But all you know about our culture is like our boogeyman story that like. And you're not even telling it right. Moreover, that boogeyman story is kind of offensive. Like it's it's a thing that encompasses a lot of pain and, and th- it's it's the equivalent of saying, oh, yeah. When you say Bloody Mary three times in front of the mirror, Mary, the Virgin Mary shows up and rapes you. <laughs> like every, every Christian would go like, holy shit, what what are these people talking about? No, you, you can't use that term anymore. You can't talk about the Virgin Mary anymore. You're, ta- you're saying all sorts of crazy stuff about it. And that was explained to me by an Algonquin. Once again, this is secondhand. We don't have okay. a lot of Native Americans running around like actually educating people about this stuff. But, but to say that, if, if I can ask that question, though, about that, so you feel that if somebody comes up to you on a work of fiction and says, I don't like your story because it didn't take into consideration my people and our culture for what you have in that fictional story, you feel that you should pull your work and change it completely because even though you didn't start out to write an accurate cultural piece about anybody, it's a fictional story that you wanted to tell, um, that's, you, you offended people. And that they have a right to come and tell you, no, you can't write fiction? I mean, there's there's a difference between um, if I were to write a story about, uh, say, well, we'll, we'll take uh, American culture again. We'll take. Uh, let's say it's 2023 and I write Song of the Sound and everyone's mm. hopping around <laughs> singing zippity doodah and, and someone comes up to me and says, yo, that's really offensive. Don't you shouldn't have written that. I'm I think there's a there's. A certain amount of critical assessment. Whenever someone says, oh, you're being bigoted. Oh, you're being transphobic. Oh, you're being this, you're being that. There's a little bit of a critical breakdown and you say, okay, why are you saying this to me? Mm -hmm. Do I have a blind spot? And I think that's an honest thing. Most people do. Now, if I write a story about uh, Harriet Tubman, it's some historical fiction, 
and a hotep tells me I'm a piece of shit and I should keep my Neanderthal scribblings to myself. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to necessarily take them as seriously, but. <laughs> but a thing, but a thing I have here, but a whole thing I have about here is when it comes to particular the Wendigo book, right? Tribe book. Um, it was written okay. to not, to not do what you're saying. There's two ways to look at it. It's either we were trying to be accurate and detailed and we brought in a, and why not hire an expert at that point? Or we heard, we heard that story. We don't want to use it like that. We want to use it this way. And so they used it this way. And then that is somehow bad. And I don't agree with that. I don't think that is bad. I think it's the same thing as, uh, um, it's like saying white people can't listen to hip hop music. You know what I mean? It's so, the same thing. It's entertainment. Like, Go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Because there's a, there's a tension here, right? What I feel like you guys are describing is the tension between uh, a company being able to choose its own narrative direction and uh, author reserving the right to call out things that are offensive in reference to real life people. And what 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 wrong footed me is I was I was waiting for the explanation to help me understand why why the direction that that Karim wanted to go in was was disrespectful right because when I'm reading a piece what I'm expecting from an author is okay here's a thing that happened here's how I felt about it and then you the reader I'm going to connect you to me the author by putting you in my shoes right show me how you felt and why this thing that was done to you was wrong and i didn't get that because the the way i see it you know in a work of fiction like what's what's a good example um i'm a real big quentin tarantino fan tarantino loves to drop the n-bomb in his movies Mm -hmm. um there's black people who say it it's white people who say it I'm not offended by it at all because I recognize that everybody in a Tarantino movie is a character, right? I don't feel like the existence of actual black people in real life is diminished or impacted by this guy who is making a joke of like the most extreme examples in certain types of movies. Even if he is a racist in real life, it doesn't really affect me a whole lot. And I don't know that he is. And I'm not saying that, what I'm saying is when the context is established, somebody didn't just, approach me on the street and start performing song of the south when i have come to this game expecting horror and expecting for there to be no real heroes and you tell me that the terms wendigo and utena are particularly offensive to your identity but then you just keep telling me how you feel instead of telling me why mm-hmm. like actually this is not a this is not an expression of your emotion that i can move forward with Am I, am I making sense? Uh, to me, you are, but go, go. I understand what you're saying. You're, you're, because the author is kind of saying uh, they're listing their complaints and their issues, but they are not offering any possible way forward. Or, or, even, uh, or even enough of enough explanation of what hurt them. Because you can tell me that you're hurting, but if you can't, if you don't show me your broken arm, I'm like, okay. Let me help you. Do you need morphine? Like, okay. Because otherwise, all I have is you're offensive, and I is you're offended, and I cannot be your ally. I can't stand next to you in solidarity if you don't tell me what this person who wronged you actually did. 
I will say it's probably a little bit sensitive for Native Americans to be confronted with the idea of the entire Wendigo tribe being wiped out. Like, just genocided. Like, maybe some communities are a little bit more sensitive to just getting genocided and wiped out. Um, going extinct. But it, wouldn't, <laughs> but it wouldn't be the first time for a group of Gowry now, would it? No. We're not... And I wasn't trying to say that it... I think that there is a disconnect between how the authors and the direction that the company wanted to go. And that's ultimately what this is about, because this is about how Hunter and Renegade lost the contract, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, like they, they were told to write things they didn't want to write. They said, no, White Wolf took it back. That, that was the, my summary of the letter, my takeaway as someone who does like with vendor relations and things like. No, you say White Wolf. Why it's not paradox? <laughs> Is paradox are paradox and white wolf distinct right now? I thought that one of them ate the other. <laughs> there, there is a right now that there one is a, a subsidiary. They're wholly owned. Like there's there's a white wolf department in paradox. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I did it on purpose just to make a distinction because some people are like wait a second. I'm like, ah, there's an explanation here, um, but they're not interchangeable. I gotta have that. Let's understand Paradox Interactive. If you look them up, they're a video gaming company. They're a video gaming company. All their content King guys, right? worlds and everything. Exactly. Yeah, they made yeah. some very big games that people love and that they're great. But as a video gaming company, you learn one thing. I'm going to invest in a project. We're going to go all in. And the plug can be pulled the day we're going to launch. It's possible. Technology failure doesn't work on a thing. We lost yeah. the contract, whatever. We're out. And they, and they seed money. So they seeded the money, hoped it worked out, saw it failed, but they planned for that. They also got a bunch of other projects cooking. So they're on to the next one. This is what happened to your bloodlines too, right? So I understand that clearly. I just think it sucks. And as a vampire player, give me my bloodlines too. But the point yeah. is, that's, that's what happened. We know that. However, fans of the TTRPG community did not like that at all, right? You felt their loyalty was stoked up and that's, and that's where it goes. But Paradox doesn't care that you're upset that they had to do a business decision because you're trying to keep a business afloat. But their main business is a video game. So fans need to realize something. As mad as you want to be, you are not the totality world of a company. You're part of an IP that is a subsidiary sitting in this company. And they're making calls and directions from that perspective. It is not offended. It's not, it's not to offend you. It's not to say we don't want to listen to you. It's to say that we got a lot of things we're working on. This is one of them. You know what makes it real hard? Some person leaving and writing an inflammatory letter that's half-ass cooked with a lot of emotion in it. That's going to say that we're they're white supremacists that was actually stated in there uh, about about Kareem. And it's simply not true. Um, and I'm and that I am going to attack real quick, only because to say um, I've lived in the racist South. I've experienced racism directly. I had one of my own uncles unwittingly attend a Ku Klux Klan party that one of his friends didn't tell him it was. I'm his nephew. OK, and, and he had that happen. Didn't see that friend or family again, but we knew where we were. You know what I mean? That's yeah. a shock to the system. However, I learned right then and there what that can do to your reputation. My uncle is not a racist nor a Ku Klux Klan member. Just having been there, there were people who felt some type of way about that. And that's ridiculous. So that resonated with me that never judge a book by its cover. Know what the hell you're talking about is what that states. So when I hear, oh, this supremacist mentality about the ghetto, I'm like, let's pause. Let's pause. Look up Kareem Omar, have fun, find him on LinkedIn. He's in Stockholm metropolitan area is what it said. Yeah. So is Paradox. 
I don't know if you know this, folks, just because we're Scandinavians and I am a Scandinavian now, I have a Scandinavian daughter, I have a Scandinavian wife, we're out here. Um, what I could tell you is they stomp hard. They stomp hard on racism. They do not approve of it. It's against one of their four main laws to be that way. They're inclusive. They're a caring society. So much different than Westerners that you have to understand the very concept of marginalizing a people or, or, or offending anyone is incredibly shocking to them. And they do not enjoy that perspective. However, Scandinavians are like a coconut. Westerners are like an orange. What does that mean? Westerners have a thick, tough skin to, to, to get to know initially. It's a little spongy. But talk to them for a little bit, laugh a little bit. You can get right inside. And then they don't know you completely. Right? There's some seated middle and it gets more bitter as you go in. It's a clever way of saying, usually they hide what issues may or may not be that are personal to them. And they only want you to know them for that nice, soft exterior that was bright and colorful and nice. However, last game even like coconut. You're not going to know a damn thing about them, right? You don't know them. Don't even talk to them because it takes time for them to get used to you. And once you get past that hardened exterior, you enjoy the sweetness that's on the inside and they let you in. But once you're in, they're in. So they're going to be themselves, joke, laugh, whatever, and try to come across and meet your culture with a stupendous grin and heart, heart in their hand, hoping it works out. This is what I think happened. Now, why I think that this happened is because it's not only benefit of the doubt. If you listen to Martin Erickson, Martin Erickson is not a racist. He is not a supremacist, and he is the most intolerable person of that behavior, period. I will stand with him on that, not only from talking to him, from being asked for current interviews and the way he holds himself and comports himself uh, about everyone that he's involved in. He's attended many Nordic LARP giving lectures about inclusion. And ex they have weird ass LARPs out here where <laughs> it's a bunch of white people. I'm going to let everybody know it's a bunch of white people, Scandies, who go, I don't, I read about racism in America, but what was it really like? I don't think that's fair. What they're like to be so angry now, what's that like? And someone goes, Well, I've been to Denmark University. I have a thing or two about this theater. We can write an emotional exploration uh, experience LARP style, Nordic LARP, where we can all participate. And we'll make this scenario where 50 of us are slaves, 50 of us are slave owners, and we're going to go and experience this for one weekend to decide what that would be like. But we will come up with some hard and fast rules. And then they do the rules and they go, do, and they do the Nordic LARP. And at this Nordic LARP, they have heartfelt, emotional hours. Uh, the first time I heard about this, folks, I sat down for two hours to have somebody ask me, what's it like to really be black? And I sat there and I went, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm confused. And then they explained that they went to this. And they don't think they fully experienced it. I was like, you think I know what it's like to be a slave? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Clearly, I, don't know, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know the first goddamn thing about what it is to be a slave. There ain't no black person alive that knows what it's like to be a slave. I would argue there's no human being except a slave in a third world country or from somewhere that has to be a slave that knows what it's like to be a slave even back then. Right? We could read about it. We can empathize. We can get angry. But that's about all you can do because you weren't it. Right? So I have, a, I have a thing that we have where I'm from. It says, uh, don't talk about it. Be about it. Right? Mm. So this, this translates yeah. in all yeah. things. So I can't speak to it because I'm, I'm not it. And let me tell you something. I am the slave that would have been shot by Massa early on. <laughs> he would have got me off the boat and would have been like, that boy is a problem already. Right? Um, only because I wouldn't know the first thing about it. Like, just like he could get to own me. You can let me tell you something, Jack, what you got. 
with your hard-earned dollars. We're going to figure it out. And, and that's it. Now, I'm not saying I would have, I would have won. I'm saying that he would have lost some money and I would have been in a sad <laughs> state of affair. So when I explained this to them, they were like, okay, well, would you mind looking at this document, what we had? And then when I looked at it, I'm reading a character uh, idea that they had a rough paragraph that I think they took notes on that they played and started saying how they were a servant. That's as far as they want to go to is that they were a house servant because, you know, they wanted to be able to eat at the LARP and do some things that weren't uncomfortable. And they're like, it's not even a full slave experience because we would not be able to handle that. That's too uncomfortable for us to even get into, but we wanted to have an idea. And so they also had issue with the N-word being used. And I said, you mean only because Gogo's here, I told her I wouldn't say namaste, nigger. You had an issue with that, with that word being used? And they were, like going, they were like going, yes. And I was like going, okay, um, you understand that if we're black folk, there, there's a time and a place where we can say that. But that's, that's our word. And they were like, what do you mean? I was like, that's also a joke. You're going to hear that a lot. Um, I said, and I had to explain it to him like this. If you're from the hood, I was raised hood. I know Mike was raised hood. If you're from the hood, you're going to hear that word first in your, your common nomenclature, whatever you want to call it, before you hear anything else. Because it seems cool to say you hear it in all the music that's there. Gangster rap, I and it's usually popular to do it. However, the old timers are going to pull you aside and tell you you can't say that in class. You can't say it when you get a job. You're going to have to get educated. You have to see why. And then you'll learn in school. And then you learn in school about slavery. And you're like, oh, if someone calls me that, ooh, and, and you get that initial pop feel, and you got to go home and talk to your parents, and your dad has to go, don't kill any white people. He was like, what? No My dad told me no white person alive knows a damn thing about it. They don't know nothing about it. They're only going to say it to piss you off. Don't even, don't start none, don't be none. Just, just go to school, go to bed, stop hating on white people. Because I went through that phase. I was like, you're going to hang me. I got my NWA hat. I had my shirt. <laughs> Do something about it. Save me. You know, super pissed. And what the end result was, my dad came by. That was so cool. Slapping <laughs> the shit out of me, like going, you need to knock it off right now with this hate music. You ever heard of R&B? You ever heard of the Jackson 5? Motown? We did that too, stupid. That's really good. Right? That's what happened. And I said, oh, there's two sides to this story is what I learned. There's two sides. And it's an amazing thing when you do that. When you take both into consideration, you're like, oh, okay. And what the Scandinavians taught me, why I love being out here, and like I'm, I'm proud to be one, is the fact that while they're embr- I'm embracing their culture and learning about it, rule number one is they're innocent. They really are. All the hatred and negativity we have circling in the United States comes from one, one thing. We have 51 states that are all piled on top of each other with a border where we openly inter-exchange culture. It goes back and forth, and we advance that cycle of what goes on. In our lifetime, it has been against the rules to desegregate. You're supposed to stick to your own. And then it was, segregation is bad. Nobody does it. Now everybody knows about everybody. And then it became cool to stick to your own cliques and to your own likes and dislikes. And now you can't wear my hat because I wore my hat that way. And all this other ridiculous stuff started popping up, and everybody's heard of all that stuff. Scandinavia, you get looked at like you got two different heads. It's like, why would you why would you do that at all? Like that doesn't make any sense. Wouldn't that be mean to people? And I gotta be like, yes, little adult, it, it is mean. And and you shouldn't do it. And you are correct. And now I feel awkward in this conversation. Um, thanks for schooling me. I'm no longer having fun talking to you. Thank you. And then they're then they're sad and upset that they did that to me. So now I'm trying to think, here's Kareem. Oh, by the way, I did look up racism here. And a student at their university, Swedish U, I think it is, is uh, had a document uh, where it's Swedish student life. They wrote this document I sent to you, Mike. I'll be happy to send it to you, Gogo, if you're curious. 
where they wrote the 17 different types of racism that people have experienced while in Sweden. Not a goddamn one of them are what I experienced down south in the United States. Not a one of them. Not a one. The majority of them were like people were ignorantly racist or just uncaring or unfeeling or were just treating it like it doesn't exist anymore. And then turn around and were racist. And by the way, not, not just racist to black folk. They're out here hating Chinese people and don't know it. They're out here not understanding that a Muslim person isn't all, you know, just someone, a white guy can be like, what are you doing? Like, it's, it's a religious following that you got to know your differences and people don't know that. And so they're battling that here, too. So I said, OK, we experienced that in the West. It's just handled differently out here. And so now I'm like, OK, let me take this into consideration. Is it possible? Here's Kareem. And here's a direction for when they go new tenant and says, well, really, the problem was we had three tribes. The Croatian made the sacrifice. The Wendigo seemed to be outliers who are on the outs anyway by what they wrote them. They just have their rage left and they're getting bitter. We're telling a future update of World 5th Edition. It seems Nuktena is the only tribe that are going to be standing at the end, but they can't be called Nuktena if the Wendigo tribe falls and their survivors join the Nuktena. What are they going to be called then? Well, what would be the correction to not be as offensive as some fans have taken it? To, to update them and call them what we're going to call them. Do we call them anything native? Do we, do we call that like, well, what about the ghost council that was thrown out? Well, what's wrong with that? Well, I learned something. Believe it or not, you can get offended by anything anybody goes with. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. But once again, that's why we're going back to that critical idea. What is, you know, th there's a difference between putting out song of the South and there's a difference between uh, the hotep shouting at you for being racist. And there's a whole manner, like, I think that that is really important. And I think that, you know, like you, you mentioned, uh, their public relations over at uh, Paradox, uh, you know, th they are calling people out now. They're, they're saying whenever someone's rude to them, sends them something mean, Outstar's right there, like, hey, this, don't talk to me this way, which I think is fine. I don't yeah. think that, I, I don't think Kareem had anything personally to do with any of these decisions. Because from what I've heard of Kareem, uh, from other people breaking their NDAs, no one from this show, um, was <laughs> Kareem fought really hard to try and get Sabat to be playable in the core book. Evidenced he, by his player's guide so quickly being released. <laughs> he had all that stuff written up. He was done. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that he had that passion for at least one part of the project and he's very dedicated to making it work. I think ultimately he was the person delivering unfortunate news that corporate had made these decisions. The direction they picked was picked and Kareem had to deliver that news to the contractors and the contractors assumed everything that these decisions which were made on new action committees three months before Kareem even spoke to this person those decisions had to be implemented it, Kareem couldn't go back after two quarters and say oh all the things you want me to do they weren't they didn't get done the authors didn't like it they they gave me this yeah, that's <laughs> well said well said yeah so I don't no one's I don't think anyone's coming for Kareem I, I think James doesn't like Kareem because of some things that they said back and forth to each other in a heated environment. <laughs> I am trying to really point out um, just the fact that there was no flexibility is a weakness in this IP right now. Mm. 
like the way that like at some point in V5's development, they said we don't got any elders anymore. It makes the game too complicated. It, it's too disheartening to start as a neonate in a game with elders that are powerful as gods. There's no more. We don't got elders anymore. The fact that that ruined the plot of the rest of the game did not matter because of that one meeting where they were like, yeah, we can't do elders anymore. And they don't even work in the system. The system we develop cannot handle more than 10 dice or it breaks. Fair. Fair. That's a good call. Um, what I could say is, is that obviously what we're really saying, at least I'm going to try to say that this is what we're saying and see if it's right. Um, business needs to stay the fuck out of our IP. And that's what I'm saying. Like you <laughs> yeah, say, you say they got an IP. If you're going to put that behind a shelf, you need to put that in 25 years corner so we can show you how to work that. Like you got something you don't even know how to work. Like I, I got to say this. Why do for someone that and make them money when you can do for you and do the same? And, you know, you want that to make change? I got all the time in the world to work with people and see how that stuff work out. You know what I mean? That's uh, yeah. That's my fast rambling way of saying that I get stressed and I get meetings, but someone don't know how to talk right. And I'm going to tell you why. People are afraid to lose their illustrious job by standing up and admitting when something isn't right because they believe it is so illustrious that they can't lose it. It reminds you where Dawkins started 15 minute videos of going, I'm the gentleman gamer. And today we talk about clan satire. I am British shaved head and know nothing about Egypt beyond the museum that my empire originally conquered. But <laughs> we'll talk further about this. I'm bringing in the woke jokes for me. And that's, and that's how it goes, you know what I mean? That's, if he, was, he did that and someone, went, and someone went, oh man, this guy's got something. And he does. He, he was fine. He was entertaining. He got me, helped inspired me and Nate to go, we can do what that guy does. Like he was just talk about a book like that. Yeah, but there's so much more to these books than just a, a cover read and done. And we said about an those hour. Old videos, too. He was like recording those on a potato. Like he was yeah. not. <laughs> but what was he but highlighting? The, he got himself the out there. He there. YouTube to do it. Exactly. He said, I could write some stuff. Give me a shot. And you see him. And he did great. And I still applaud him for um, the Worm second edition. And of course, Beckett Shahada was amazing. Fucking him DJD. Yeah. They did what they did. It's amazing. But I really feel that was before all the shackles came out and before people sharpened their knives because folks were hungry for extra at noon, got it and said, you did a great job. And then out of nowhere, some interesting decisions came up and too many sensitive people. And I do mean that. Here's, oh, here's an analogy before anybody gets mad. I'm a sensitive guy. I am. How am I sensitive? When somebody jumps on my server and goes, Bob, you talk over people and they don't know that we look at each other on camera and I wait for cues. If you hear me talking too long, either I'm finishing a point or what happens is our co-hosts are laughing and they're not knowing when to jump in yet. So that's that's what goes on. And then I try to point to them or like I'll pause and be like, kind of done, you know, and do one of those. Um, but sometimes, guys, when you record, people got to use the bathroom, get a drink. Something happens. They mute and they're gone. And I could just see that they're missing. And the band must play on. And that's right. So. That's, that's why I mentioned stuff like that is because folks make assumptions not knowing the full picture all the time, and we get hit for it. And I'm sensitive to it because I'm like, man, that sucks. But what I want to bring up, and it's not that I use GoGo for this, it's that I respect the hell out of her because, like I've already told you, everything that gets said in the server is something new in the industry. She's passionate about it. She's going to talk about it. And it's up there. And I always look. And I really do look at a lot of people because you have to have something relevant to say, though. 
That's key. There are other people who spew nonsense and go, go, my hat's off to you for engaging them in discussions when they do. But I'll, I'll see some stuff where someone goes, I don't think mummies should be separate from Vampire the Masquerade because immortals are immortals. And I want to be able to use my Hakka to be able to come out of Torpor or be in Torpor and still run an empire. I don't know. And Gogo's like, oh, yeah. Well, here's some problems with that and why it's separate, some industry insight, learn to write a book. And here's that. And, and that even doesn't mean just like, you know, here's some points that you need to look at and maybe come at it correct. Me, I go, I read this while in bed. No, I'm not going to address it. We're going to avoid that. Because <laughs> you're not asking me a question. You're asking whoever has interest the question. And we'll let that filter out. Conversely, I do get sensitive when somebody comes in and goes, hey, go, go. Whatever you did, whatever you just wrote, that's stupid. You're a stupid head. And this is going, I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? This is intelligent. This is a, a really respected, intelligent person in the community who bravely stands up to your internet nonsense all the time. And I'm in it with them and we're all in it together. And we're, we're a community of like-minded people talking about the same thing we love. Why are you being toxic out of nowhere? And the response every time is, uh, cause Bruja awesome. <laughs> Of speech. I'm like, look here, Trump and Drew Cheeseburger at bed, and they get booted. Like, you don't got a choice, right? So, <laughs> but I apologize. I'm, I was tickled for a moment at the comment, and I'm known for tangents. But is there another point you two would like to go into about this document? Or because I feel Gogo assassinated it at the end there, basically put exactly what it means and what it stands for. And I feel put in the light that anybody can understand. And, and, and why I needed it put this way is so all of you out there, at least in our community, can relax. Mm. And just kind of look at it for what it is, because you're going to read through it and you're going to find what Mike found, what we all found, that there's a lot of emotion there, but know the facts. And if there aren't any facts, nod your head, send a polite word to an author who didn't get kept. That's rough. But that doesn't mean a white supremacist told them to leave so they could follow their world agenda of killing everybody. Right. That's <laughs> what that means. So. Um, but a word to indigenous folk, right? In, in regards to writing, and it was Coyote and Crow, I want to point out. Because Gogo said it, I do love that book when it came up. I contributed to Kickstart myself just because I was very proud to see that it was done. Um, but folks have told me, and I've, isn't a little hypocritical? Because you say anybody can write about anything. Yeah, absolutely. If I chose to write about Native Americans being cannibals, and that's the right, they, they did the great ghost dance like in Shadowrun, and they all became cannibal monsters that run around and eat white people, but every white person they earn, they eat, they become that white person. And so they, they've interjected themselves in society. And I call it native. The, the hunger is what I call this game. I throw it out there and they're going to come at me and go, Bob, that's offensive. And I'll be going, no, it's complete and utter horseshit. It's complete and utter horseshit. I wrote it so I could have a different take on zombies from a native uh, feel that people can understand because of cowboys and Indians. I didn't make you famous. They did. And, and by the way, our ancestors did that and they were assholes. So, um, but we didn't have the same, we didn't have the same assholes, did we? Mine brought me over from Africa and sold me for a pretty penny and, and beat me right along with you. You're, but, but then trained us to come hunt you with the Buffalo soldiers. So I don't know. Should you hate black people? Cause we, we had to do that for a time. I don't know. That's your call. Or maybe possibly I wrote a book for some dimes cause I'm an author of fiction is what that comes into. Now I like it cause Coyote and Crow didn't, didn't disparage anybody. They said, we know our culture well. This is us. We want people to share in it for what it is. And they told all their people they're proud they did it. Here's our heritage live and proud with music that's unique and amazing. And when we listened to it and we saw the book and we were reading, we were like, damn, this is deep and amazing how good this is. And it's awesome. But it did another thing. 
I heard people go, I'm a little intimidated to play this game hmm. because I feel the bar is raised because what if I can't be a native correctly? And I was like, shut the f- play the damn game. <laughs> I also can't play a vampire correctly. I am a little too doughy and red blooded for that. No one's an immortal. <laughs> hey, relax, calm down, have fun. In your- but if you two were done, you let me get away with a second tangent. I got, I got like a red card. Myself. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm good. I think, I think the, the inflexibility as the heart of the matter is an excellent point. I'm very happy to leave it there. <laughs> All right. What I will say though, Skogo's not off the hook. Cause when somebody tells me, clearly you didn't like the Macaulay book. I get it. Check out this savage age werewolf and go, go. I'm not going to ruin it. I actually told Mike I got this. I'm going to dive in head first. We can get into all this. And we will to get to some of it. But for the most part here, what is it that drove you to re-fall in love, as you stated, with the set, with Werewolf entirely because of the Savage Age writing book and Storytellers Ball? Uh, one thing that it definitely did very well was uh, completely ignore uh, anything that happens in the modern era. The Savage Age is a Stone Age werewolf game which is insane. Most people don't even think of playing in the Stone Age ever. Like that's, and the idea is you are a werewolf at a time when the wild is at its height. Like the weaver is just in, like in traction. Like the weaver's still recovering. The, <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, what's going on over, the, the worm is just doing its thing. It hasn't gone insane yet. So in this world, you're kind of left without a big meta plot. Like the worm isn't coming for Gaia. It's not like the apocalypse is not upon us, but you still have a very engaging, different world. It, you have different tribes. None of the tribes are the same. Like you can play a, a, a werewolf ish type creature, but you're going to be kind of like um, an African wild dog or a jackal, or like a cave wolf from Northern Europe. You're going to be all these different species that are gone, like they're extinct now, that eventually became the Garu Nation. When, and that idea of seeing the basis of things, uh, seeing a few authors who really care about the setting, and watching what they came up with. Um, and you could tell at various points they were they made a lot of effort to kind of be culturally more like they mm. don't name people Metis. Like they don't, they got rid of that yeah, term yeah, entirely. Yeah, yeah. They got other, yeah, they got other stuff going on there. And I think, you know, even the names, like they named all the tribes and everything off of like proto Indo European linguistic stuff so that people aren't going like, oh, that's the Wendigo. Oh, that's a, no, that's we're using languages that no one even uses anymore. Like the first human languages, we're going to use that as the basis for all the names of everything. I think it was a really cool direction to take the setting. And they have like 20 books out now. I don't even know how they produce all the books. They do. They've got like more than detail, uh, like a W20 at this point. It's a, it's, a, it's a good setting. I know I have to be in the hook for this, Mike, because we went in that direction. I clown. On the dinosaur kings the Macaulay had, you know, because the dinosaurs <laughs> TV show, well, not the mama. You know, there was that's who ruled the earth 200 million years ago. I was like, really? 
And the Savage Age did save it. It did exactly what you said, Gogo. And I appreciate that you, you threw that up because when I read it, first thing I'm going to say is that the books are not long. I think it's 110 pages that went through the, the main kind of telling you what's what. And why I liked it so much was because they started a story that felt like a Native American storyteller off the bat. Now, why I say that is because there's a lot of horror films that have a trope for what a Native American storyteller is. And in real life, I've had the privilege of going to a, it was a school trip to sit down and hear a storyteller tell us of her people that I was too young to remember all of it. I just remembered that I had to shut up, be respectful, or I didn't get to hold the turtle rattle um, that was being handed around. And, you know, that, you know, it was very cool. Um, very interactive. I saw an Adelaide use when she was telling us about her people and why they have it and why they still honor the fact that it exists. That was a cool experience. And it reminded me of that experience to read it. And how? Um, I like how it starts. I believe, let me see, I get this phrase right. What I'm about to tell you is the truth. And then they move on with it. Now, why is that awesome? Because it's unique to any story I've ever heard started by uniquely Native American people. Now, I don't know if that's done on purpose. I don't know if that's a technique, but they're quick. I don't know if you know this too. In movies, they even catch this where you'll hear somebody called a, uh, some, his name would be Johnny Two Faces. And it's like, why are you called Two Faces? Because I talk out of both sides of my mouth. You should never trust me, white man. It's in my name. Right? And they'll say something like this as the story goes on, only to come to learn on that this guy's a trickster at art. That's not even his name. But you, they like sell you a trope because you expect it. And, and typically in this one horror film, it was revealed that because he was a person feeding people to the town. It's like you wanted the town and it's curse. You didn't believe us since you put condos up there. We're going to keep this here. And I was like, that's a unique take, but weird. I watch a lot of horror films and occasionally when you see that happen, you like it. But I always like that opening. Also, you guys remember Pet Cemetery? Vaguely. Yeah. Pet Cemetery by Stephen King. There's a, there's a part in the novel, if I remember correctly, where they actually talk to uh, the natives who watch the ground. This isn't the guy that Eddie Munster played in the film. This is the people that talk to Eddie Munster to warn him about that land and why he should never go up there. You know, the, what they're guarding. And I'm almost positive the way Stephen King wrote this guy, because he always goes deep in his characters. It started with that. Like, the story I tell you is true. And then just went into the story. And why do we like it that way? Because we like the no-nonsense rolling out of a story that hits you in the chop. As you can take it for that. Yes, go. Ahead. That that is actually an old Navajo saying. Uh, this story may not have happened, but it is still true. Uh, that's <laughs> that's how you begin a story in Navajo. Yeah, and that's see, awesome. I was God, it pisses me off every time I open a werewolf book, and they they're gonna tell me a story, and they started off with the Amazots say, or the shaman say. Or they always couch it, right? They lead with this fucking qualifier, and it's like, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. If you just lead off with whether or not it happened, this story is true, I know that I'm supposed to be reading your tale for what it means and not updating my mental catalog of werewolf canon. Because yeah. if I got to get six books deep to figure out that all of the stories of the triad are about principles, and not what actually happened in the universe, I'm going to be very upset. Just tell me the story is true, and we can move on. This is, this is very good. And to the point, this book does do that. The Savage Age does. Um, but the stories they tell, they're, they're directive short. I know that it must have been hard to write so much uh, impact in such a small space. But that's kind of the technique of the story, isn't it? And one of the ones they write about and I'll mention to Macaulay is that they 
they accuse the Macaulay, one of the one of the tribes that believe is their saber tooth that they have in there, um, which is really unique. And I'm almost positive saber tooth. I might have that wrong because the name, as you said, they give it a phylus kind of name for what, yeah. for what they are. I'm pretty sure it's a saber tooth. There's the ones that believe that they are the ones who were given by Gaia to eliminate the secrets that people should not have. Kara. Yeah. 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 The Kara, yes. It is yeah. an ancient spirit of the Kara tribe. And uh, what they do is just that. All their power is to steal secrets. They're, they're technically adjacent to the Bastet, but not Bastet, although they're accused of that quite a bit. And they would even say that they're like the rulers of the Bastet, if anything, which is going to get them a lot of hot water later on. But the point is, <laughs> for the moment, they wrote it as if this is a person that you somehow were talking to as a guru to get the truth about what happened back then. To say that 200 million years ago, you found this one true car spirit who said, this story is true, and here's what happened. And what they say is, the Macaulay, as you know them, I do not want you to focus on, for they served the, the Dragon Masters, basically. And what they're referring to is, who knows? But what it reads like, it must have been terrible lizards. It must have been dinosaurs. Right? That's what it reads. And maybe it was just the meat eaters. It was just like the T-Rex had a thing and the velocity. Who knows? But your imagination goes wild with how terrible those, those entities must have been. And what they say is, it's not their fault. Guy in the beginning made thousands of shifters. They give this impression that Gaia was just an abundance of energy. And for every kinfolk that they were going to breed with, they had a shifter guardian tribe to guide them in the world and show them how they should be. And the Macaulay were the only ones given this special gift. And that was to take humanoid shape. That means have a head, two arms, two legs. And that's, that's it. Now, they were supposed to keep that a secret. However, the Macaulay learned that there were others who were given a type of humanoid shape. The Macaulay felt they were the only ones best loved. That shouldn't have happened. And so they went and killed to extinction in secret these other shifters. That's why there's not tens of thousands of them. The Macaulay were murdering them, all of them, out of love for Gaia. And I sat there and went, that's the Macaulay I love. This is awesome. because." It's not saying the alligator Macaulay, the alligator children, you know, the, the ones that you have the book for now. It doesn't, doesn't break away from that book. It says they don't remember who their ancestors were like, but we do because their ancestors were called the Dragon Kings and smiled at them and treated them precious. But that's only because they were of them. And then a great tragedy happens. And that tragedy is guy gets pissed of them doing that and makes two tribes as punishment to the Macaulay, to the Dragon Kings, the Guru. And the Ratkin. And when they said that, I was like, yeah, that's badass. <laughs> why that's badass? Because now you understand why the Ratkin have an instinctual hatred of mankind. It's not of mankind, it's of the humanoid form. Yep. It's of man. Now, why is that? Because they're jealous because she went a step further. And, and even the car spirit said this. Well, because the, the Dragon Kings messed up so bad and the shifters even got it wrong and were killing each other. Guy just went ahead and made the perfect form she intended for the humanoid, and that's man. Now, and it wait, because all together. That, that was a super stumbling block for me, though, right? I didn't disagree with it. Like, it fit the narrative they were telling. But remember, mm -hmm. one of them old triad books told us that mankind was the children of the weaver. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I'm like, okay, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. If we're in the savage age, and we know, okay, the, the, the humans were a middle finger to the Macaulay for their management of having being able to walk upright, then how do we get to uh, it's the Weaver's problem or it's the Weaver's fault? Okay, but let's understand something. 
these are people who don't understand what Gaia would perceive as perfection. Hmm. Now, if you're Gaia and everyone is your children, all of creation is yours. No mother hates any of her children. That would include the worm. FYI. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. it's true, I, Gaia I mean, spawned yeah. everything. That means part of it, you have to love it. So he was the renewer. He gets poisoned. The weaver special too. So what would be the perfect child? Well, would it not be mankind? Pure potential. Mm. Right. And it's not static because they're not static. The wild's there. They could be whatever they choose, but they can evolve, but they could also be the same. Right. They're always going to be human in some capacity and hold to that. That's where the weaver comes in. Their hunger for tools and updating. Okay. That's the weaver's influence, but the wild's in them because every human being has the capacity to not just cut loose and do whatever, but has the capacity to um, understand their true potential and change who they are to adapt. That's what they get to do. That's a sign of that. Um, but why are they the worm? We really shouldn't have to ask that. <laughs> and, right? There's a ton that's in there. But then also of Gaia. We're fiercely protective of our children, even as a community, too. Not that that's a hallmark that Gaia is the mother and is only, only good for that. But it is a hallmark of it. So the simple fact is, is that that form is all three in one. And that's what works. But do any of the tribes fit that all three in one? Only if you look at the human side of them. Otherwise, they do not. And the Savage Age points that out. If you look at only the fact that they're talking about the Macaulay were dinosaurs with a humanoid form, there was no human in them. And that seems to be an overriding flaw, right? Also, I like the fact that they're kind of tug-in-cheek going, yeah, they're cold-blooded. So when they got a taste of love, how did they treat that love? It was actually coveting, and then it became jealousy, but they could kill you smaller folk. And that was that. Now, oh, I should explain this. Why were the Gurus so badass? Because why Kaya made the Gurus? Because they knew that they wouldn't quit. They would not quit. You could not just kill them. They wouldn't lay down. They would always find a way to come at you. And that's like what went on. Right? Oh, you got it. <laughs> and they had it. And that's what made them awesome. But they don't stop there. Like, to me, that was a good Macaulay fix that kind of set the stage right. But then they interject all these other problems. Like, wait a minute. There's a, there's a new Farrakhan that runs around saying, hey, Mike. You're Guru, but you shouldn't know how to use a gift to best that do, so I gotta kill you now. <laughs> Wait a second. You gotta kill me? Well, I can't make you forget. So, yeah. I'm gonna eat you. Learn that gift you have because I can have it, you just can't. Because that's why Gaia made me. And I'm gonna leave. Now, Gogo sees it, part of your tribe, and goes, yeah, Bob just came over and killed Mike. And I walked away <laughs> doing something only Mike can do. He's like, why is it? I, I don't know. We need to talk to him. And that's how that tribe gets in trouble. And they openly tell you that. They're aware. It's like Gaia gave him a gift saying, later on, you're going to get smoked for it. But until then, can you kind of correct some of this bullshit that's going on? I gave you candy. I gave them soda. You weren't supposed to mix candy and soda. What's going on? Go correct it. And that made them unique. And I was like, hmm. But that wasn't it. They had, they had Smilodon that's thrown in there, too. It's like legit straight up saber tooth. And I was like, hold on. I got to put this book up before I start trying to run some crazy ass dirt. <laughs> I can go on. You, you want to, that's the thing about it. You read the book and you want to run the game. Yes. Yes. And the concept of the first clave was not a blade. Right. It was right. a hung of stone with a handle. It's beaten in the shape. You just hit it on stuff until it's what you need. <laughs> I liked it. They said everything that was made was cold pressed, which means they did their research. I mean, it's only going to be copper, but they could use by hand to force into a shape to do what they got to do. And I was like, this is really cool, except can I hunt a dinosaur in this age? Yeah, you can, but good luck. They're killing everybody out here. <laughs> you know, 
How you, how you going to do it? And I'm just like, that's a good twist on it to a game that is, uh, that's definitely dynamic. Was there, uh, any insights other than me glamming on certain parts, like a fanboy uh, that you two wanted to point out that you enjoyed? I, I want to say that I, I wanted. How do I say this? I had an expectation that was not fair. I wanted more of the of the the social stuff. Like I'm, I'm failing that word here, right? But you know, every time they crack open a werewolf book, they they spend a little bit too much time describing the local sets or like explaining to you the local luminaries. Of it was like they gave me all I needed to run the game, but left me to make up the lore of the characters. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted, and they didn't give it to me. And maybe it's in some other books. But I have to look at their stuff. That that's the only. The only thing that jumped out to me, other than, you know, again, the thing being entertaining, right? Front to back. Uh, yeah, I am a big fan of that. I will say that the way that they kind of got. Come on, sorry about that. North? The way that they built out the idea of, like, you were to say to me, oh, can you run a, a game of Werewolf of the Stone Age? They did all the hard work of like, oh, well, what do we call Smilodons? Uh, like, they named a bunch of that stuff, but they left everything else up to you. Like, I could not tell what part of the world I was supposed to run a game in from that point. Mm. Like, yeah, I think... Me- mm-hmm. hmm. oh, no, go ahead, you said what part of the world I mean. When I was like, I thought it was Pangea. That was the point. They were kind of one. Well, they turn out the history, right? It's too recent to be Pangea. We haven't had that much continental drift. I yeah, would I say it's probably before the Weaver split the spirit realm from the physical completely. That would hmm. be. So they, they, did, my, they did mention. They did they did, mention they, that, they, that they didn't a talk a lot about the Dawnlord except with the Anapu. Right. right? So you right. might just be able to boogie in the Umbra and boogie in the real world and not have to care about what the difference is. Unless you have certain I, special I, umbral, I haven't uh, played an umbral hopping character yet because not all the the changers can do that. Like and like, I think one of the right. Garu tribes can enter the umbra. Um, I think that like the umbra is still kind of spongy, for lack of a better term. Like it, it's soft, uh, it's penetrable. <laughs> I don't know why I'm using all these words, uh, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's you know going to prom. Happy to be yeah. there. You know that's the umbra. Just saying, I'm just pointing out that problem. You can smile and have a good time. Please continue. But the perverted knew what I meant. I have to add that. All right. Uh, so, but I think that the idea of a different environment where, hey, Gaia is kind of a jerk in this book. Like, she's not the victim. She's like an eldritch god that's calling the shots and everyone else is kind of just playing to her playbook. I kind of like that. The idea that Gaia is ascendant in this age of the world, not the weaver, yeah. not the wild, not the world. I have to put on my glasses, which serve as my tinfoil hat in this discussion, because from this, I was telling some folks about it and they were like, well, that seems garbage because we're here to defend Gaia. I was like, of course you would be. But the greatest villain ever is the one that existed so far back. You don't know what they were like. You only know what your people survived to relate to 
And how would they have survived? Because Gaia let you is how that would work. Wait a second, Bob. That seems too far-fetched. Oh, does it? I submit to the court. If you look at the hierarchies of all the spirits, why are they constantly battling for the most gnosis and thus? And gnosis is a, is a faith, right? Those who worship and serve, spirits have a ban. They have a purpose, right? We know that, but they serve in these hierarchies. All to a greater and more powerful spirit. But who's the greatest spirit of them all? Well, it's Gaia. I'll talk about it. They all know it's there. There it is. It's the same setup that the, the, the wormlings have to deal with, except they go to the worm, which isn't as powerful. Mm. The worm's trying to be. It's trying real hard to ruin all the faith for Gaia so they could erode that base and deal with it. But how do we know the weaver isn't a spirit that contended Gaia for control? Lost. Teamed up with the worm. Lost again. Because the worm was like, nah, you ain't getting me. And it moved on, right? Realized that it could break free and that it wanted to be in charge now that it saw an opportunity. Like a story where the worm was the renewer and served Gaia, and the weaver also served Gaia, was supposed to keep order. And then the weaver was like, Gaia is really cruel. Like she's just willy nilly killing things that she had out there existing for no purpose other than she wants to put something else there. And all they did was make one mistake, like an Old Testament Gaia. And I said to myself, yeah. is it War of the Apocalypse that they're hinting at? Or is it the fact that maybe the Dragon Kings were instructed a sort of survival of the fittest? I made all these shifters, but some of them ain't pulling their weight. I give you this power of the humanoid. Those who have it, meet your judgment. And they did so, as kings would. And when they came there <laughs> and found them one thing, they killed them. But they didn't inform everybody else that they had this special ability. And this is where it caused a problem. And even talk about that in the War of Rage, that we still don't 100% know why this group ganged up on this group and what happened and why, except the Kava said, or the Kara said flat out, nah, man, your Makole marched too hardcore and the Guru had to, had to, had to get rough. They had to go up there and, and handle business, except there were all these other shifters to help them, but there were equal shifters that came in to help the Makole that yeah. get crushed in the middle. And it didn't happen once. Your War of Rage was not one time. The Makole have been having a War of Rage as many, like the Guru only did one. They've had <laughs> hundreds by the by the same token right and so you think to yourself and guy just let this happen how is the worm not stronger and that's what they're saying i mean I, really i think that's your point go i don't want to put words in your mouth but i was like you were the, i wasn't the only one who felt that guy was a bit evil and cold about how she handled her stuff I almost got, uh, when reading this initially, I, I read it last year for the first time, and I was actually getting like Elden Ring, or like from software, like Dark Souls where, yeah, there's a god in charge, but they're not good. They might look good. <laughs> they might be in, like, they might tell you that they are doing the best for you while hurting you. And like an abusive parent. Um, and seeing Gaia, like, over time, she's lost. She's become kind of cuddlier and nicer. But for this initial, like, Seeing her in the early days when the earth was wild and crazy, like, I don't, I, I think it, it doesn't diminish the lore that exists in Apocalypse. And I right. think the idea of having the earth itself be kind of, uh, I want to say eldritch, uh, kind of, it's a place of horror. For hundreds of millions of years, there was just an unremitting slaughter. And then you walk into this like that's that's your legacy as a Garu walking into a Savage Age game. You are the latest 
in a war of genocide between all the Pharaoh of the earth. That's, that's insane. It's different from White Wolf, which I like, or rather, uh, yeah, the White Wolf werewolf game where essentially werewolf, a lot of it is about dealing with white guilt. Like, oh, we did, we did the war of rage. Oh, we're so bad. Oh, we let Gaia down. Oh, we're so bad. Oh, gee whiz. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's white guilt. It's, <laughs> the patriarchy, there's, there's all that. Everything in every other every other book has at least two or three mentions of raping the earth in uncomfortable scenarios. Um, me and Nick, when we were going over, that was that's still our trope to this very day. Like, oh, I say, hey, Bob, have you raped the earth today? I was like, no, all I did was recycle. So uh, that's wait a minute. That's is this close? I got to it. Is this why we no black werewolves? <laughs> wait a minute. Well, well, I was actually Mike. I want you to know that humorously, I did bring that up, and I got no reply. <laughs> I had what? submitted I, I had submitted a question and I said, hey, why wasn't uh why aren't there any black tribes? For that matter, Not where's the one. black clans? Where's the black clans? And someone and someone told me there are black clans and vampire. They're all African tribes. Like that ain't what I'm talking about. They're African. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like there's yeah. all this whole cultural movement around. I mean, there isn't a tribe of vampires of hip hop. I mean, you got. I mean, there's a tribe called Quest. That could be a werewolf tribe. What's going on, right? Did you miss the Wu Tang Clan? They could be an Eastern branch of vampires. What's going on? And pretty cool, I might add. And, and uh, right. And then it's probably why I didn't get an answer because they knew I was I was riffing. But the point is, is that there is a thing that Justin Achille pointed out. When we interviewed him too. That there was a kind of a thing where folks wanted to, every culture to have a representative or whatever, and it just doesn't. Because the moment you try to represent everybody, you're going to mess up, messing up. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's like saying we're the authority to say what's what. Now we're justifying what what everyone's trying to make out of it, which is what are you doing? What's up, Mike? That was a very I I certainly would not presume to correct the great Justin Achille, but you can you can give everybody representation if you make the heroism being the main character of your game something that you aspire to, something that is earned or Something that's arbitrarily inflicted upon you, like the Bruhai and Vampire. What I want to what I want to point out is that was me asking him why isn't there, and he said that's a direction talked about, but the decision we made was not to go with it, and that's about the limit he had to it. Okay, uh, okay. All right. I took, oh, well. What I took from it, what I took okay. from it, and I still I still hold to it was a lot of people pitched ideas, but let's say it was a group of white guys sitting around trying to speak for all cultures, and nobody felt comfortable pushing that stuff forward. <laughs> like, nope, right? we're not Even, doing it. <laughs> Not going to happen, right? Um, we're okay to have a bunch of Italian guys be a bunch of inbred necromancers because the Vatican's big enough to handle it. But other than that, yeah. we'll we'll deal with it. You know what I mean? And that's <laughs> that's where you get to. But but to your point, Mike, it's it's not it's not heroes. Werewolf isn't. People are going to try to say it is, but I love telling people this when they go, "Werewolf is about heroes." Like it's not. Yes, that's- it is. No, you're playing one of the monsters of of your right. Werewolves, wraiths, or ghosts. You're dealing with mummies, which are. Be- like you might as well have had Universal Studios do these books, okay? Because that's what they're pulling from. Dracula. They all have their seed and roots being there, where they want to attach that horror. That's what's there. The problem with Werewolf is that they attach this spiritualism, animistic part that makes you kind of wackadoo to even think about it. Like, why am I jumping into a mystical realm? To what am I doing again? <laughs> I'm a werewolf, right? There's a full moon, and I got to worry about silver, and then I'm going to eat the hearts of people in the neighborhood, and my saliva is contagious. Isn't that what I'm a th- No, no, we're tribes. Cool. I've seen the howling. I'm with you so far. Well, no, we need it to be playable. Oh, 
and to make it playable, we kind of got to give you something to go after that's out there that's worse than you. Enter Black Dog Game Factory. Have you ever heard of the worm? <laughs> oh, thank you for that. And you think that they're a hero, except I, I would argue the fact that the more that Werewolf tries to say that they're the hero, the more that is players in the way it's been presented, ignoring the damage they're actually doing in what they have going on, because they've been given an impossible task to a world that's gone past their mentoring. Hmm. Right. When you yeah. read the Impergium, you want to say it's bad. You got to remember from their perspective, it worked because it kept everybody at peace. But what do you do when the inmates run the asylum? That's really the core of War with the Apocalypse. All right, man. Fair point. I, I will say being a werewolf uh, can be about being the big damn hero. It can be. Uh, but you should always have a certain amount of awareness as a, as a storyteller, because I don't think you can count on players to keep this in the back of their minds all the time. Uh, that they are religious fanatics in the middle of a holy war. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, I remember one time uh, a player was like, Oh man, can I get a vampire friend? Like they were a vampire player. <laughs> they were like, I, I read in the book, you can have supernatural ally. That's a four point merit. I want to have a vampire friend and they're going to be super high humanity. And they're going to help me out and, and do vampire investigations for me. Now, as a storyteller, I think everyone has encountered a player asking for something that just doesn't make sense in the setting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and when invariably, like I, I eventually said yes, because they were pulling on it for a long time. Let me, you know, I just need this friend and we're going to have this. And I, eventually, like they, they tried to ask me if they could have true love for this vampire. I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Stop me. We pump the brakes there. Yeah, we got that. Merit stacking. But, yeah. And they were, they got upset when they eventually got this vampire friend and they started to take social penalties with everyone they knew. Like elder werewolves would smell the taint still on them just from being in the same room as this dead thing. They would, like folks would be like, hey, where are you going? Oh, you hang out with this random person oh what are they like are they kinfolk do can we meet them like a pack like you in werewolf you're in a pack like hey <laughs> let us meet your girlfriend man and then the girlfriend turns out to be a fucking gangrel and <laughs> there's a line and then you, you're down one werewolf and you're down one gangrel like that's that's a bad <laughs> very true that's very true and and with that uh, any last parting comments before we close this down? Uh, we are definitely a half hour, about to be a half hour over. I just noticed that as we've been kind of having fun here. Um, but uh, any any comments? Either one of you. Parting words, wisdom. Uh, check out the Savage Age. <laughs> yeah. Seconded. <laughs> All right. I'd like to thank the writers of uh, the Storytellers Well for the Savage Age. And I appreciate Gogo coming on here to kind of talk about the document they had up there. Um, I think it's a uh, it's a it's of worth and impact that we talked about it and brought it to awareness and Hamilton. And I like to think maybe the first mature way that this should be approached, which is I wish everybody the best involved and it sucks that happened. I can't wait for Werewolf Fifth Edition to come out so we can see the final and actually review it from a loved or hated perspective, based on what we're reading out of a book versus hearing second, third hand of what it might may or may not contain. Personally, I think it's crazy for anybody. So. Uh, with that said, 
Gogo, thank you for so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It was such a pleasure. I love listening to the show, and it's great to be on it, too. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. And uh, for Mike, always, man, I'll catch you next time. I appreciate you being up here, Mike. You're you're never leaving, so that's a that's a, that's a good thing. We have you chained to the desk, told, so that's a we're gonna hold that because I do have an Eldritch God I follow, and uh, that name is uh, Forevermore Twenty Five Years BTM, and we'll just keep that there for the moment. Um, that being said, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll tune in next time. Or we definitely should be getting into the uh, War of Heaven, the Wrath of Heaven, the Way of Heaven, Rage across the Rage across. Yeah, that's what it is. Everyone's favorite book. Everyone loves that <laughs> book, right? It was spicy. <laughs> it's spicy. <laughs> oh, I'm going to love that, by the way. Um, all right, folks, have a good one. Thank you. <laughs>